Hello, everyone, and welcome to year two of the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. Before getting started, if you're not yet a member, please consider subscribing to Fantasy Consigliere, which gives you access to all of our locked content, including rankings, betting picks, and a direct line to contact us with any questions you might have. The first episode will be more of a season preview, but I'll get to week one after the draft rankings. Starting with the quarterbacks, Tom Brady. Last year, he was the QB3 overall, and for those worried about the age, he takes care of his body better than anyone, hasn't missed a game in his career outside of the ACL tear in 2008. Obviously, Tampa Bay has a loaded group of weapons, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, along with now Julio Jones and Russell Gage. Basically, I'm not going to bet against Brady. I give the slight edge to Justin Herbert because of the rushing upside, but Brady should be again above 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns in his age 45 campaign. Aside from Herbert, the other two I have higher than Brady, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. At this point, I guess Allen doesn't have many doubters. At least he shouldn't. He's had 42 plus total touchdowns in each of the past two years. Following that red hot playoff run, he should have sky high confidence. And plus he's determined to help make up for that AFC playoff loss. I think Gabe Davis being a full-time starter will only increase the upside of the offense. And also James Cook out of the backfield should create plenty of mismatches. A lot of analysts don't believe in drafting Allen as early as round three, but I think he's worth taking there. Behind Allen in the rankings is Hertz, who was the top fantasy scorer last year before his ankle injury that impacted him down the stretch. This year, we have him ranked as the overall QB2. He's entering year two in Nick Sirianni's system. and gets A.J. Brown, along with Devontae Smith, entering his second season. Basically, I think the Eagles want to open up the passing attack, and I firmly believe in his ability as a passer to play his way into MVP consideration if the Eagles reach season expectations. And finally, Derek Carr, he threw for 4,800 yards last year and now gets Devontae Adams, who he played with in college, to boost that touchdown total. I'd be surprised if he wasn't over 30, especially with Darren Waller talking about this offseason, how he expects the team to be great in the red zone. And I'm really not sure how opponents will be able to cover all three of Adams, Waller, and Hunter Renfro. Similar to as mentioned with Allen, I think based on how the season ended with the Raiders getting into the playoffs, Carr's confidence is also another factor to consider. There's been questions about him, I guess, by the media over the years, but I'd say getting Las Vegas to the postseason based on all they went through last year has definitely silenced the doubt about Carr as a franchise quarterback. So yeah, I'm expecting a big season out of him and all the Raider pass catchers. For the others, Trevor Lawrence and Marcus Mariota are both mobile quarterbacks that can put up big fantasy point totals all season. Mariota in the preseason was running quite a bit in limited action, and Lawrence should have things be much easier for him, surrounded by a lot of drama that obviously wasn't his fault at all. For those that still haven't drafted, I'd definitely be targeting Lawrence and Mariota as upside QB2 plays. And just quickly, Mac Jones entering year two in the Patriots system. I know they have some issues up front and... People are concerned about Joe Judge and Matt Patricia being heavily involved with the offense, but I trust Bill Belichick and the talent of Jones to break out in 2022. At running back, similar to how I mentioned Jalen Hurts along with Josh Allen as elite options, I think Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb are worth mentioning because of some of the detractors. For Henry, I have no concerns about the foot injury, especially after returning for the playoffs. Mike Vrabel and the Titans certainly aren't going to waste Derrick Henry's prime by not featuring him. So look for Henry to pick up where he left off last regular season before going down when he had 937 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns in just eight games. 
for Chubb, he was as good as ever in 2021. He dealt with some injury issues, but he had a season-long pace of 1,529 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns in 14 games. And he again was above 5.5 yards per carry, which has been the case in each of the past two seasons. I guess some will be concerned about Deshaun Watson not being in the lineup, but the Browns will need to feed him if they want to stay competitive. And Chubb is simply a top-tier running back, in my opinion. I've actually drafted him in all five years of my home league, so that tells you what I think about Chubb and his talent. As I've stated in the past, I don't like going with elite options as recommendations, but there are enough doubters for Henry and Chubb that I think they're both worth mentioning. Now, much further down the rankings, Trey Sermon. Yes, he was a thumbs up last year. Didn't work out, obviously. But I've been investing based on the belief in his talent. And now going from San Francisco to Philadelphia, I think he gets a much better situation behind a league best offensive line. I'm personally not very high on Miles Sanders, who's entering the final year of his deal. And I think Sermon will at least have a chance to fall into several touchdowns on what should be a great offense. For this week, I wouldn't be worried if he's inactive. He hasn't been with the team too long. But I think eventually Sermon definitely has a shot to overtake Sanders behind an offensive line that will consistently open up holes. And another guy similar to Sermon that I was targeting based on previous circumstances, Brian Robinson, was unfortunately shot. But it sounds like the timeline is looking optimistic about a potential return in October. Before the incident, I actually had him as a top 30 option at running back. So fantasy owners should simply, if you haven't drafted yet, take him. I would, I would even take him in the middle round still, middle to late rounds. And you could stash him on IR, and then hopefully you have a low-end RB2 flex option when he's back on the field. For some others, Travis Etienne is worth mentioning, but it seems I'd rather target someone like Kyle Pitts or Mike Williams when he's available in the third round, and the hype causes him to not be available in the fourth round. But definitely high on to Etienne. You could see on his preseason touches that the explosiveness and speed makes him a difference maker. And the way Trevor Lawrence will be open to checking down should boost his floor no matter what the role for James Robinson is coming off a torn Achilles. And then someone that I think is an RB1 option, Ezekiel Elliott. Jerry Jones knows, similar to the case with Derrick Henry in Tennessee, that the Super Bowl window is now. So I don't see how people think he'll suddenly fall off. For those doubting, I would just watch his game tape from the first four or five weeks last year before he was injured. Basically, I'd be happy with him as my RB1, and I'd be really happy if he's someone you could get as a potential third running back with a running back heavy start. Before getting to the wide receivers, I just want everyone to know these are players that I personally am invested in. I'm just looking at the underdog best ball exposures. I have Tom Brady, 60%, Nick Chubb, 66%, Derrick Henry, 43%, Sermon, 43%, Brian Robinson, 36%, Zeke, 26%. Back to the quarterbacks, Mac Jones, I mentioned 30%. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, both 20%. Derek Carr, 20%. And Lower Mariota. He's someone I've been targeting late in most recent drafts. But yeah, and then including the wide receivers, which I'll get to now, my highest owned player overall is Metcalf at 70%. I guess those are sort of psychopath exposures compared to what most people do. But it shows that I and us at Wolf Sports in general actually do what we say. We don't say one thing and then real drafts come and we do something else. In a saturated industry, I don't think many do that anymore. So hopefully if you're not yet a member of Fantasy Consigliere, it's something you'll consider knowing we're completely transparent 
and we'll do everything we can to help you win your fantasy leagues. So for Metcalf, he's a top 12 option for us. He's had 22 touchdowns over the past two years, including 12 last year on an injured foot with a handful of games coming with Geno Smith at quarterback. So I'm not worried about the quarterback play for Seattle. Metcalf's going to be featured, and I think he can reach the line from two years ago when he had 83 receptions, 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Next, Julio Jones. Pretty simple logic here. He's an all-time great wideout that gets to play with the greatest quarterback of all time. He'll face routine single coverage alongside Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And with Brady throwing passes in what should be a new role for Julio, he has untapped touchdown potential and should put up numbers for as long as he's on the field. Sticking with Tampa Bay, if not for questions about Chris Godwin's health, we'd have him ranked as a top 8-10 to 10 option. Fortunately, he shed his knee brace this week at practice, so I'd expect him to play on Sunday night and hopefully see close to a full role. I think he's mostly went as like the wide receiver 27 or 28, which is just insane. If we focus on last year, he was on pace for 120 receptions, nearly 1,400 yards through 13 games before the ACL tear in week 15. So assuming Godwin quickly rounds into form, he has a case to be the top value of the entire year. There are plenty of other wide receivers that I could highlight. The final main one will be Jahan Dotson. He's the highest ranked rookie wideout for me. Number two option for Washington's passing attack. And like Julio, he should see single coverage across from Terry McLaurin. There are even reports that Dotson looked like the best receiver for the commanders and that he has a strong rapport with Carson Wentz. So Dotson, who was somehow ranked as the wide receiver 60, according to Fantasy Pros in redraft leagues and somehow the wide receiver 44 in dynasty formats. I believe we have him as a top 22 option in dynasty leagues, something around there. And in redraft, I have him, I think it's a wide receiver 37. So yeah, very high on Dodson. And I think he's a guy that can realistically catch 80 passes as a rookie. For the others at wide receiver, again, there are plenty, but AJ Brown and Devontae Smith for the Eagles. Both guys are supremely talented players and they complement each other perfectly. So I'd be fine investing in both guys for 2022. Another pairing, Sammy Watkins as a veteran and Romeo Dubs as the rookie for Green Bay's offense. For Watkins, he's totally going off in week one for the past three years. The big one was obviously 198 yards and three touchdowns in 2019, but he also had 96 yards and 82 yards in the past two years. And Watkins seems to have earned the trust of Aaron Rodgers. So love him as a DFS play this week, and hopefully he can carry a big game throughout the entire season. Now for the tight ends, again, I'm using my best ball exposure as a basis for these recommendations. So Rob Gronkowski, obviously not on the team right now. He's my most owned tight end in best ball at 56%. If you're in a redraft league, probably not worth taking him, especially if you don't have a deep bench. But for best ball drafters that have yet to participate I think he's going to return before the NFL playoffs, so maybe a November target. And he's free in the final round as a potential elite option for the fantasy playoffs, especially if you miss out on a top tight end because they can be such a difference maker. And he's someone I've routinely paired with Brady to get a Tampa Bay stack. For more of the redraft focus, David Njoku should be boosted when Deshaun Watson returns down the stretch. But in general, I believed in the talent. The Browns do too. Clearly now, after he signed a four-year, $54 million extension, and until Deshaun Watson is back, Njoku should still see a healthy number of targets from Jacoby Brissett, and I have him as a top-10 option.
Next up, Taysom Hill. The Saints no longer have Sean Payton as head coach, and Hill won't be playing traditional quarterback anymore, but he'll still be used in a variety of ways. We know about the ability as a runner, but the receiving upside has been overlooked. In 2019, Hill caught six touchdowns on just 22 targets, and he's an underrated high upside option with a solid floor at tight end. Probably the most controversial option in the draft recommendations is Mike Isicki. He's basically another bet on the talent option. I think he can feast on single coverage with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle stretching the field. And the hope is that he saw heavy playing time and had limited targets in the preseason simply to get more reps in as a blocker. At the least, I expect Mike McDaniel will know how to feature Kasicki in scoring territory better than the previous coaching staff did. The other options, Dallas Goddard and Cole Komet. For Goddard, I have him as a tight end six. I'd say he's closer to the tier of Waller and Kittle than everyone else is to Goddard. There's definitely a chance Goddard makes a leap into the top five with Philadelphia set to open up the passing attack. For Komet, I don't like the matchup in week one taking on San Francisco, and there might be rain in the forecast, but long-term seems to be an easy schedule, and he's another guy that I believe in the ability of. He's already proven he could be a big part of the offense with 60 receptions last year. He didn't catch a touchdown, which is what held him back, but Komet could be the number two option in the passing attack, and his connection with Justin Fields seems to have grown based on what they showed in the summer. All right, that covers the draft recommendations for the season. Now for some quick week one thoughts. I have Trevor Lawrence as a borderline QB1. I could see him coming out with a statement game, rushing for a couple touchdowns, and putting up a big fantasy total that puts him on the top of waiver wire articles for week two. In general, the Ravens, I'd be scared to face Lamar Jackson in the passing attack this week. And New York, after busting quite a few coverages last season, had that continue in the preseason for whatever that's worth. It feels like they'll be exploited on the passing concepts that Baltimore has success with. So I have Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews as the top options at their respective positions. And I feel like someone, whether it's Rashad Bateman, James Prochet, Isaiah Likely, or someone else will end up having a big day. So keep that in mind if you're a DFS player. At running back, another Jaguar to pair with Lawrence, Travis Etienne. If there's a week that he'll get a heavy workload, It'll be this one with James Robinson on his way back from the torn Achilles. Robinson is expected to play, but ETN should be the guy that hopefully gets a featured workload and runs away with it. One more guy in the early slate is Dallas Goddard. I already talked about him as a season-long target, but for this week in particular, the Lions really struggled versus the Eagles in 2021. I think it was 44-6 loss. And Goddard is the tight end three in our weekly rankings but FanDuel has him as the seventh highest priced option at tight end. So definite value there if you don't decide to pay up for Mark Andrews or Kelsey. And for the last player I'll mention for this week's episode, Noah Brown is someone I have a feeling about on Sunday night. Last year, Dallas went with an all-out passing attack versus Tampa Bay. Dak had over 400 yards, and with Amari Cooper gone and the injury to James Washington currently on IR, Brown is set up to be the number two or number three wide out, and should see single coverage against the Tampa Bay defense that wants to stop Elliott and could double-team C.D. Lamb. All right, well, that will conclude this episode of the Fantasy Consigliere podcast. Please consider leaving a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Take a look at our updated Fantasy Consigliere plans to see if we can help you win your fantasy leagues. 
Thank you everyone for listening and best of luck this season.